leadership today is more than just a position in an organization. It's also a mix of proven practices that produce results. Welcome to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. Our program will bring you the how and why of successfully led businesses or organizations with not-for-profit goals and how you can apply the Adesis Methodology and make it work for you. Now, here is Dr. Ishak Adesis. Hello, this is Dr. Ishak Adesis, and I'm very glad to be back here on this broadcast and communicate to you worldwide about management and how to make it more successful, how to make organizations healthy and cope with a extremely rapidly changing environment, which gets them into trouble. We have covered in the last 30 sessions many subjects, and now today I think that we should cover a new subject called how to define a corporate mission. Before I start with my presentation, uh, I would like to urge some of you, or all of you, to write to me at ichak, I-C-H-A-K, at Adizis, A-D like in David, I-Z-E-S like in Sam, dot com, with your comments, because here I'm speaking um, week after week after week, because it is not a live program, I pre-recorded this material, because of my travel schedule, I cannot make it live. I do not know what you, the listeners, think or what your comments are or questions are. So it feels like I'm broadcasting into the space here. I really appreciate some comments which you can send to me to my email, and I will take that into account to make the broadcast even better or even answer some of your questions. How do you go about defining a corporate mission? I find out that many companies have a mission. It is something that's written up, printed, put on a poster, and hang on the wall. Wonderful. But many of them are really meaningless. Why? Because they're so abstract that they really do not necessarily motivate direct the organization to action, specific action. It would be like somebody saying, my mission life is to be happy. Nice. Now, what does it mean? For somebody happy means to eat until you're obese and get a heart attack. And somebody else, happiness means that is uh, a serial murderer. That's what makes him happy. No, <laughs> it's meaningless. I don't know what it means. Uh, missions of this character will be something like, we, our mission is to serve our clients responsibly, satisfy our investors, and be responsible members of the community. <sighs> nice. This really is not a mission. It's a statement of values at best. That's all that this state. What is mission? What is mission? What does it mean? that it is action-oriented, gives a focus to the organization, what it's supposed to do. I think that analogy, good analogy for mission will be 
television program Mission Impossible. They punch the key and they get a recording that says, you're a member of a special team. Here is what's happening, which is a threat or an opportunity. Go do it. But if they catch you, we will denounce your existence, period, or our involvement. What's happening here? First of all, it tells you who you are. Then it tells you what is changing out there that you need to deal with and under which values you're supposed to accomplish what needs to be done. Values meaning if you discover, if you get discovered, you'll be denounced. Okay, so we know. We know under which conditions you're supposed to perform your, your job. These are the components of a good mission. It has several characteristics. Number one, it is particular to you. It is not something so abstract that it applies to anybody or everybody else. It is your mission for a certain period of time in front of you. And the mission will change as the time passes and as you, have, as you change. The well, same thing will be in the military. The mission is to conquer a certain hill, to, 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 to move the frontier into the enemy's field or whatever. There is a definition of what you're supposed to do, which applies to a specific unit at a specific time. If your mission applies to anybody else, or it is timeless, then it's not a mission, in my definition. Because it does not focus you on what to do. It doesn't give a focus to the organization to focus its energies and to unite the organization to action. That's why not. It has to be particular to the unit for a particular time. Another characteristic of the mission, as I define it, is that it starts with who are you? Who are you? I found out when I was teaching at the university in UCLA, students will come to me and ask my advice about their career, what they should do and how they should advance. And I found from experience a very interesting correlation. People who don't know who they are, they don't know where to go. People that know who they are, it's much easier to define where they want to go. So if you don't know where you are, you don't have an anchor, you don't know where to start with, and then all the possibilities are open to you. Thus, if all the possibilities are open to you, none of the possibilities are really relevant to you. You have to start with who are you? Who are you? Then, you can look at the future, try to identify opportunities and threats that will direct your mission. Let's go. How do we do that? How do we do this particular mission, particular to you, that focuses your energies for the coming future? First of all, we have to define for how long is the future. Is a mission forever, or is it a mission for lifetime, or is it a mission for the next two days? Obviously, both are wrong. It has to be 
for the relevant period of time. Now, what does it mean, relevant period of time? It is like long-range planning. question is always asked, how long is long-range planning? Should it be five years, three years, seven years, ten years, fifteen years? How do I pick up the time range for defining my mission? For how long is this mission? For how long in the future am I looking? It is the tool that you should use conceptually. How long does it take you to make the changes necessary to accomplish that mission? Which depends who you are, depends on your industry. That's how long in the future you should look in. For instance, in the fashion industry, the amount of time you need in order to change your design of your line is a year, is a season. So how long is long long range planning in the fashion industry? A year. If you're a company producing satellites for the space, how long does it take you to build a satellite and to plan for it and to launch it? 15 years? Well, then you should plan for 15 years. Tell me how long it takes you to make the move and I will tell you for how long you have to plan. Okay, so the mission depends on what is it that we need to change? How long does it take us to change? Well, there is a chicken and egg problem here, is in order to know for how long you have to plan, you need to have a plan. So now we are stuck. Not really. You should more or less, you know your industry, you know how long it takes to make changes in your industry. So that's for how long you plan and you make your mission. And then if it takes longer because the mission is very exceptionally different, you can redo it and change it and make it a little bit longer or shorter. So it's not a linear process. It's going back and forth until it settles down. Okay, so we know for how long, and we know what the particulars of the mission are, the characteristics of the mission. Now what? Do not, as an executive, do not go into your room, close the door, take a cup of coffee, and if you smoke, God forbid, start a cigarette and start thinking, what is the mission of my organization? Sit down, write it up, and then communicate it. Totally wrong. Why is it wrong? Because if you listen to my prior broadcast or read my books, and by the way, I write a blog every week. Uh, which about 6,000 people read, and any of you wants to read it too, so please send me your email, and I'll put you on the mailing list. It's closed mailing list, only for people that want to subscribe to it. It's free. So if you listen to my tapes, um, videotapes, or, or, sorry, books, etc., I repeat, <laughs> repeat mantra, there is no perfect executive. There is no perfect parent, there is no perfect child, there is no perfect flower. Nothing is perfect because of change. If anything is perfect, don't hold your breath. It's only perfect for a certain period of time. After that, it's not perfect because the situation changed 
and the person cannot fulfill all situations, all problems, in all conditions, forever. I mean, nobody is that good, capable, necessarily so. Thus, for you to sit down and do the mission and then communicate it to the organization, it's not going to achieve its goal, which is to mobilize the organization, to focus the organization, and to create affective, not just effective, but affective, which means there is an emotional component here where people get excited, they're motivated, they own the mission as well, so they are now integrated, they are co-opted, the word co-opted is not very good, but they are now part of the organization, and it is their mission as well, not just your mission, that they are supposed to execute. And that makes their motivation, their commitment, their loyalty much, much stronger. So how should you do it? Well, get yourself those people that are the movers and shakers in the organization into maybe a hotel away from work for two or three days and then go through this process I'm going to describe to you so that all of you together arrive at what is the right way to do a mission that they all can agree and support. This group of people should include whom? Those whose knowledge you need who can something contribute, plus those that can undermine them, that have the power and the capability to do so because of their position in the organization. So anybody that can rock the boat, bring them in to row the boat. So when you arrive at the mission, all of you together can implement it and nobody can undermine it or nobody will undermine it. What are the steps to take? After the break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Adesis Management Methodology increases the speed at which organizations are able to implement change and solve their problems. The methodology introduces an innovative process, culture, and system that allow organizations to achieve dramatic growth in both revenue and profits. Build your success from within. Adesis Management Methodology is delivered by the Adesis Institute with offices worldwide. Introducing a new management paradigm. Visit www.adesis.com for the Adesis Institute today. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Adesis Speakers Bureau can present the Adesis methodology and its approach to harnessing the power of change to your top management team. The presentations, either in person or via a live video hookup, can be delivered in a two, four, or six-hour format. Participants can derive immediate benefit from the material and put their new knowledge to use right away. For luncheons, corporate retreats, and strategic planning meetings presented in a variety of languages, visit www.adesis.com. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. If you have a question or comment about the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to yolanda at adesis.com, spelled A like America, D like Denmark, I like Israel, Z like in Zambia, E like in Ecuador, and S like Spain. Now, back to the program. Now that the group is together, what do you do? Now, I'm assuming that you know how to handle the group and you can deal with disagreements, differences of opinion, different perceptions, and you have your ego under control. If you don't have your ego under control and you get upset with anybody that thinks a little bit differently from you, you or you cannot handle uncertainty or ambiguity, if you want to railroad the meeting, forget it. Then get yourself a professional who can integrate for you the group arrive at a mission which you will accept or you can accept and implement. So do not lead the group, do not lead the discussion unless you have your ego under control and you are open-minded to hear what other people have to say rather than just call a meeting for you to communicate your mission and expect all of them to applaud. What is the first step to do? I like to give assignments to people then to do prepare homework, and then when we come to the meeting, the homework is being presented, discussed, or a mission to emerge. What is the homework? The first group, two or three people, not a large one, two or three people, and it should be multidisciplinary, multifunctional. Somebody from sales, somebody from production, even somebody from accounting sits down and they have to focus on one piece of who we are. Who we are is called the market product scope, and here's how you arrive at it. The first group will focus on who are our clients. What are their needs? Which of their needs we satisfy very well? Which of their needs we just satisfy more or less? And which of their needs we do not satisfy very well? That is one group. In order to do that, they have to identify who are the clients. If you're doing a corporate mission, the clients are the customers. If you're doing a mission for a department within an organization, then the clients are internal. So who are the clients? Who needs you? 
needs you. Or I do it a little bit religiously. I say, who will cry if you die? Who needs you? That is your client. Now, I'm not talking about end users. I'm talking who immediately now needs you. If you're selling to distributors, well, your distributors are your clients. Now, what does it mean, who needs me? Many people need me. Some of them end users or the intermediary. Here you have to focus on who takes the decision to buy your product. That is your client. By the way, it could be somebody different from who pays. I'll give an example. I used to take my kids every Saturday when they were young. When I didn't know what good food is, I was not that aware at that time. Every Saturday to eat lunch. I love to go to a restaurant, a certain restaurant which had baked beans because that's my preferable food. But what did my little kids like to go to? Guess what? Obviously, to McDonald's. And guess where did we go? McDonald's. I'm the sucker. I paid for it. But who is really the client? Whoever decides to buy your product. In this case, the kids. And McDonald's does a very good marketing job. They know who the clients are, so they really, that's who moved their focus. Their advertising, promotion, and product design. So you do the same thing for your company. Who decides? Who decides to buy your product or to accept your product or to recognize your product if it is an internal client, quote-unquote? And what are their needs? I pay also attention that they said clients with an S at the end, which goes multiple. If you're in the B2B, business to business, business, the decision makers are more than one person sometimes. You need somebody from engineering to say yes, somebody from finance to say yes, somebody from, I don't know, logistics to say yes. Not one person decides he has to rely on acquiescence, on agreement of other people before the purchase can be approved. So now you have uh, multiple clients with multiple needs, and you have to address each one of their needs separately, even though they are in the same company, maybe on the same floor. Well, you have different clients because the decisions are being made by different people. Identify the needs. Make a table. What are the needs? How well are we doing? That's assignment for group number one. Group number two. Group number two is going to look at capabilities. What is it that we know how to do? What is it that we are good at? What is the technology that we possess? What knowledge do we possess? What are we good at? You have to abstract it a little bit. Be sure you not to get just a list. We know how to, I don't know, to buy and to sell and to um, share information. I mean, that's too, 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 too 
ideas are too abstract, it's not very helpful. Try to go through, quote-unquote, the technology of what you do. What is it that the organization is particular, knowledgeable, capable of delivering? About 40 years ago, I consulted for the United States Post Office when they tried to, not try, they succeeded to, to professionalize. It was not a political appointment anymore. So I asked the post office, what is it that you know how to do? And interestingly, somebody said, we know every doorbell in America. Oops. That is a capability. That is a know-how. Now, the question would be, how can we put it to use? We know every doorbell in America. What do we know how to do? What are we good at? What are we so, so good at? What are we not so good at? You might do some flowchart to identify the, 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 those capabilities. And in order to know what the capabilities you have, you have to know what capabilities you don't have. So you're looking at what we're good at, very good at, eh, more or less good at, and what we're not good at. Now we know what the capabilities we have and have not. If you take those two and compare them, how will that be? You make one one semantic differential, one line, which is needs, and another line below it, starting from the middle of needs for capabilities, you get four areas. One area is where the line of capability overlaps the line of needs. That is your core business. This is the area where you have the capability to deliver the needs of the clients. That is your core. That is your bread and butter. You have the capability to deliver the needs of your clients. Excellent. To the left of it is an area of the line of needs that are not covered by capabilities. These are the needs your clients have that you don't have the capability to deliver or you're not very good at. And to the right of the core business is where you have a capability which is not covering needs. And what does it mean? You have capabilities that you're not capitalizing on. Like in the case of the post office, as I said before, the every doorbell in America, what else can you do beyond just delivering post? post to every door. Maybe we can make money out of it somehow. And then the area number four is beyond capabilities and, and, and needs. We don't need another capability, have the capability, nor we know the needs. That's area number four. So number one is we have the capability to satisfy needs. Area number two is there are needs we don't have capability to satisfy. Area three is we have capability, but we don't know the needs, how to put it to use. And area number four is we are totally ignorant. We don't know anything about capability. We don't have the capability and we don't know the need. What do you do now? The two groups make the presentations. You go to the chart or to the board and make those two lines, the line of need and the line of capabilities, and the areas one, two, three, and four. And now what? Let's identify our sources of income, our revenues, our 
product line, our markets, and with a green marker, point are they in area number one, two, three, or four. If our source of income from that product or from that market, we know the needs and we have the capability to satisfy well, you will put the green dot in area number one. If we are kind of uh, exploring a certain need, but we don't have a good capability to satisfy, so we are kind of struggling, that will be in area number two. And if we are also experimenting with some product development or market development on something we have a capability, but we don't know the market very well, to be in area number three. And if we have some income that comes from what they call escapades, that you went to the market you know nothing about, you don't have the capability for, but you are in it anyway, that will be in area number four. Now, what you should get, by the way, is something very interesting from our experience. A young company, a Google company, you're going to find out well, I will tell you what it is after the break, because time for a break. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Learn about applying the ADESIS methodology in your organization's decision-making process. Our comprehensive training programs include a three-day introduction to the ADESIS methodology, Breakthrough to Prime, and Leading Highly Effective Teams, a detailed seven-day seminar. The seminars are valuable for corporate leaders, key executives, and others involved in the decision-making process. Our trainings are available around the world and in multiple languages. For more information about these and other training programs available, please visit adesis.com. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Join the Adesis Graduate School for online master's and Ph.D. programs. Get involved with in-depth research into how change can be managed on many levels across disciplines and cultures worldwide. The clinical programs train practitioners with methods that have been used with exceptional results by certified Adesis associates and clients for decades. Core concepts include the proven Adesis theory and spiral dynamics, an emerging theory of human social evolution. For more information, go to adesisgraduateschool.org. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. If you have a question or comment about the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 
472-5790. Or send an email to Yolanda at Adesis.com. Spelled A like America, D like Denmark, I like Israel, Z like in Zambia, E like in Ecuador, and S like Spain. Now, back to the program. What you're going to find out is um, very interesting. If you're a go-go company, young, aggressive, relatively arrogant, growing fast, and usually in multiple directions because it's opportunity-driven rather than opportunity-driving, you're going to have some green dots in area number two, area number three, and maybe even area number four. And that's usually where you lose your shirt in area number four because you're doing something you know nothing about. But it looks exciting because you don't know anything about it. That's why it looks exciting. And if you're an aging company in the declining parts of the life cycle, relatively bureaucratic, you'll find out that almost all of your sources of income or revenue are in area number one. There's number two and nothing in three and nothing in four. How did it happen? Well, when you're a young startup company, everything is in area number one. You have no money to explore. You have no money to go different directions. You focus on the clients because you need the cash. You do anything that your present clients need. So everything is in area number one. Over time, the needs of your clients migrate. They develop additional needs. They move. You also develop capabilities which are not focused necessarily on your present clients. They can be capitalized for something else or for other needs. So the two lines start kind of migrating away from each other. That's what creates area numbers two and area number three. Strategically speaking, the danger is for a company that the competition is going to come in area number two and three and not one. Number one is you're strong there, you're good there. Probably there is brand loyalty of your clients to you in area number one. You're weak in two and three. So the competition is going to come into two and three and slowly starting to squeeze you in number one. Thus, when you do your mission, what should you look at? Both at area number one and two and three. What does it mean? Who are you? You are what you do, number one. What you can do is area number three. You have the capability. And what you should do, which is area number two, because your clients have needs which you are not satisfying and you better do so. You are what you do, what you can, and what you should do. does not mean, by the way, that you actually should do anything. Although, or... Go and do it because you can do it. Because maybe all your energy at this point in time should be focused on your core business. That's okay. That's okay. But you want to monitor area number two and three so that the competition does not surprise you. And that competition, by the way, might not be from your own industry. It can be from a totally different industry because they have a capability that they can divert and refocus on your client's needs, and they will come from nowhere and attack you. Example will be many years ago, my God, 40 years ago, I was working with an aerospace company, and we went over, what do you know how to do? 
What capabilities do you have? They say, well, we discovered the quartz that has a steady decline, whatever, uh, steady deterioration in time, which means it can tell time. That's how the, the watch, with the quartz watch, was discovered. Basically, it, they were in the, they were not really in the, in the time telling business, but they had the capability to tell time eventually. So you don't know where it's going to come from. So you better look at who can satisfy the needs of your clients, who and where else can you put your capabilities to work, which might not be necessarily in your immediate industry. You want to monitor two and three as you're focusing on one. That's who you are. So what? Well, what's the next step? You should have eight teams composed of two, three people that should analyze the external environment. What does it mean? How did we know who we are? What is changing out there that poses for us opportunities or threats which we have to deal with? Because what really is a mission? The mission is to ask yourself the question, what's happening out there? that requires for us to change? How do we need to change so that we adapt to the changes happening out there? That's basically what it is. If you want to make it very, very simple, it will be, I'm going to go outside. It is windy. I need this weather. You understand what's happening here? What's happening out there? What do I need to do? In order not to catch a cold. That's basically what it is. How do we need to change in light of what is changing out there? But you don't know that until you know who you are. So we already define who you are. We know pretty good. We are what we do, what we can do, and what we should do. And now, let's look outside and see what's happening that we need to change. Who we need to be. Not who we are, but who we need to be. Who are those eight teams and what are they going to do? Again, multidisciplinary, multidisciplinary, because the purpose here is not only the content of the homework, but also the mutual learning here, the learning from each other, so that we all are on the same song sheet. Don't forget that we are all on the song sheet. We are all singing the same notes. One team is going to look at team of two, three, to make it very big. Economics. What are the economic changes look in the future? And we already talked about how long is the future, remember? Depending on how long it takes you to make the changes necessary. What's going to happen in the future? Now, we don't know that for sure, right? Nobody knows for sure anything about the future. But what do you anticipate the best you know? What do you think? Now, not all the changes in economics, I mean, that's too much to ask. You're asking those changes in the economic environment that impacts who you are, now that we know who we are. What are the changes? If you're a banking, you're looking at interest rates, monetary policy, fiscal policy of the country, international economics. Well, these are the items in the economic sphere that impact you. That's what you're looking at. 
another team should look at technology. What's happening in technology? For instance, we have a lot is happening with the internet and web-based and webcasts and clouds and paperless. This new world, new economic world, new technology, paperless organizations is a major change. Organizations that are heavy with administration. If you're in semiconductor industry, you have to ask yourself what are the new physics that are emerging that will enable you to do better chips, etc., etc. Every industry has its own technology that they have to focus on and ask themselves how is it changing, what's happening out there that we have to take into account. By the way, if you don't have the knowledge inside the company, it's totally legitimate to hire a consultant to help you and give you these projections. That's fine. At least you should know what's happening out there which is going to impact you. The third component variable is sociocultural. What's happening in the society, in the culture, in the future that's going to impact you? Women power, white generation, men becoming more feminine. It depends on the industry. If you have the cosmetics, it's a major changes about cosmetics for men. Depending on the industry again. Not all components of the environment impact you equally in importance. Some industry technology is more important. Some other industry economics is more important. Some other industry social culture is more important. But you need to monitor and to look at all of them. Although some of them are more important than others, you have to look at all of them. Why? Because we live in an environment today in the world where everything depends on everything else. One impacts the other. So economic environment changes impact. Technology impacts economics, economics impacts social culture, which impacts the legal, which impacts the political, which impacts the technological. They're all interwoven. So they have different intensity, but they're all interwoven, and you should look at all of them to understand what's happening out there. Fourth component. So we had economics, technology, social cultural. Next one is legal. Are there going to be any legal changes that will impact you? Next one, political. Next one, physical, air, water, natural resources. Again, I repeat, which of these components is more important? Depends on the industry you're in. But you should look at all of them, how they impact the market product scope. How they impact your clients' needs, how they impact your capabilities and your capability to, to satisfy your client needs. How those changes impact you. And as the team is presenting the changes and how they impact who you are, market product scope, you should be identifying all threats. This is a new world, which I think I already covered in my lectures in previous shows. But now I want to re-emphasize what it means. Changes out there create needs 
new needs. Those new needs and new capabilities can be an opportunity and a threat. And I say that one and the same. An opportunity you do not deal with successfully becomes a threat. It backfires. And threats that you address well successfully make you stronger because you learn from it. And not only you solve the problem, but you also learn how to solve the problem. It was an opportunity. So that's why I took the word threat. That an opportunity and a threat at the same time. And whether they're an opportunity or a threat depends on you, not on them, on you. How you handle it and how you look at it. So as you look at the changing environment, you identify what are the upper threats to you. What is going to happen to you? What are the opportunities and the threats you need to address? It's also sometimes called in the professional field SWAT. Strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats. I don't like to call it SWAT because SWAT because strength and weakness are one and the same. Strength that you rely on and do not update and put you to sleep can become a weakness. And a weakness that you address and you work on becomes a strength. An opportunity that you mishandle becomes a threat. And a threat that you handle well becomes an opportunity to become stronger. So it's one and the same. So I look at it as upper threats. What are the upper threats that are emerging as we diagnose the market? The changing world. There are two more variables that I forgot to tell you about, which I will tell you after the break. Please come back. Thank you. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Ishak Adesis is one of the leading management experts in the world. He has written 14 books that address the challenges facing top management. Books by Dr. Adesis can be found in 24 languages. They can be purchased at the Adesis store at www.adesis.com or on Amazon.com. Electronic versions are now available for three of the books with more to come. These books reflect over 40 years of study in the fields of management and organizational change. Pick up a copy of one of the books for yourself or as a gift today. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Top Leaf is a turnkey management development curriculum that consists of a set of 20 to 30 minute videos presented by Dr. Ishak Adesis, creator of the methodology and founder of the Adesis Institute. The Adesis methodology is considered by many to be a solid foundation for all organizational development. The Top Leaf curriculum is made up of three programs. Top Leaf can be used by individuals, by organizations, and by trainers and consultants looking for new content to offer their clients. For more information about Top Leaf, visit www.adesis.com. 
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. If you have a question or comment about the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to yolanda at adesis.com, spelled A like America, D like Denmark, I like Israel, Z like in Zambia, E like in Ecuador, and S like Spain. Now, back to the program. As you're accumulating upper threats, you should get a long list. I think you should even write it on a flip chart. Example will be you're a Microsoft company. <laughs> um, software is not the secret of success anymore. It has to be web-based. It's not even based web-based anymore. It's really now clouds and well, is it technology going? Where is the technology going? And then you look at the needs, and you might find out that the technology of computerization and software has been so advanced that we as clients and users are getting over, what they call it, overburdened with information. There's too much information. There's too many changes. And now what we really need is simplification and capability to handle it. So what are the changes, what's happening out there that is impacting us as an organization? What are those upper threats? And what is the next thing you have to look at? It's called values. The team that should go on to work on values, I suggest to you, you pick up all the quote-unquote black sheep. Those are the people that complain a lot. The people that are dissatisfied, they have a lot to say. And they kind of uh, even bother you because they are constantly pointing at difficult at problems. What I call it, uh, at the culture. They're complaining about the culture of the company. These are the most conscious people. They are not afraid to express themselves. Don't make a big group, just two, three of them, and ask them to make a list. And it's now again. It is like a like a like a table of metrics. Vertically, you write all the values that the company has, and horizontally those that we have and want to keep. Those that we have and we want to need to drop, and those we don't have that we need to develop. So you identify the values. What are the values? Decisions that guide our behavior. Decisions, macro decisions that guide our tactical decisions. That what guides our behavior that really has no logical explanation for it. It is really what you believe in and that's what it is. So when somebody asks you why, you say because.
That's what is important here. What are the values? For instance, um, I had a client who said, we will not produce armaments, although we can. We have uh, heavy industry machinery, but we will not produce armaments. We are not going to be in that business. We can make money. We are not going to be in that business. That's the value judgment. I had a company in Israel, for instance, many years ago, where um, in the discussion we looked at upper threats, and one that emerged was we need to get out of Israel to produce our product outside of Israel because it's cheaper. And then the value that emerged was we were not going to do that. There's immigration from Russia. We need to provide employment. So even though it's going to impact our profitability, we have an obligation to the country, and we are going to keep production inside Israel uh, and not uh, outsource it. Okay, that's a value. Another value will be do no harm. Although we can make money, we are not going to do harm to our clients. We are, first of all, watching for the benefit of our clients. So we want to make profits responsibly. Okay? Etc., etc., etc. These are values. What you need to do is to ask yourself, in light of these upper threats that we identified from the changes in the external environment, as it impacts who we are, what we do, what we can do, what we should do, what are the values that we have and that we have to keep? What are the values that we need to drop because otherwise they're blocking our capability to deal with change? And what are the values we need to develop because this open threat requires a different set of values? This is an extremely important part of the discussion because you're going to find out many times as open threats emerge and you react to them down the road, organization culture is changed not what you wanted, it's not where you started, it's, it's somebody like this, it's not the child I wanted to have, it grew up to be a monster and it's not something I identify with or something I want to be associated with, and that becomes very sad, I've seen these organizations where people lament and say, we used to be, and look at what we are today, it's not the same, and Something happened here. I don't know what, but the world changed, and what, how the world changed is not what we liked. It's not that the world changed. It is in pursuit of solutions to open threats. You developed new habits. You changed. And now the new you is not what you really wanted to so to be aware of. What are the values you should not lose? We are going to hold on to them for dear life. As we address open threats, what do we have to drop? We have to become, let's say, more entrepreneurial. We cannot be so risk-averse anymore. Or we have to be more risk-averse, not so entrepreneurial, because we burn ourselves along the way. Whatever it is that we need to do. And now, keeping, listen to me carefully here, very important, very important, very important. Keeping the values that you don't want to lose. Dropping values you have and you want to lose and developing values you don't have but you need 
these are also opal threats. And they are the most difficult opal threats to deal with. That's why you really need to get some people that are very conscious and have courageous to tell you what they see and present it for discussion. You should add this new set of values of, of opal threats to the list you have. And what else? There are two more components that you should be monitoring to identify opal threats. You already identified from economics, technological, political, sociocultural, physical, legal. What else is there left? Two more. What are they? The competitive environment. What the competition going to do? that is posing opal threats for you. How would you go about that? I will do exactly the same exercise you did for yourself, putting yourself in the shoes of your major competitors. If you were in their shoes, how would they define their market product scope? How would they identify their clients? What do they think are the needs that they satisfy and the needs they don't satisfy, and the capabilities they have and they don't capitalize on. How they look at the environment, what are their values? Can you predict in light of it their actions? What are they going to do? Does it pose opportunities for you and threats for you? Add them to the list of opportunities. threats. And the last group to analyze is the suppliers. What's going to happen with the suppliers? How they are going to change? What they are going to do? What's going to happen to your chain channels of supply so that you're sure not to be left with your pants down, but you're really protecting yourself? This is another list of opal threats. Now that you have the list of opal threats, now that you have the list of opal threats, now what do you do? You look for patterns. Patterns. What does it all mean? What do we as a company need to do? That's your mission. You got your mission now. Who are you? What is changing out there? How do you need to change in order to cope with the changing environment? That's your mission. For a time span, that is long enough for you to be able to make the change. But all this discussion should be summarized into a one-page document. Please, one-page document. The more than one page, and I started to go into tables and charts and pie charts and God knows what, more is not better. One page. By the way, it's very difficult to write one page. But that forces you to summarize, to summarize, to look for the kernel of knowledge, what is really, really important. Writing that one page, and if you write it together as a group, it's a murder, by the way. <laughs> it's murder because everybody has its opinion. But you learn from it. Pay attention. Learn from it what people are saying. That one page should read something like this. We are in the business of providing services and products for identify the clients. The clients such and such and such and such. 
that satisfies such and such and such and such needs. As we predict the future, we identify the falling upper threats in the changing environment. And all the eight of them. Which call for the falling changes in our value system. It's our mission to address the soap threats by the talents what you're going to do. One page, like the television series. Who are you? What's happening out there that is presenting an opportunity or a threat? Go and do it under which value system. That is how mission should be done in the company. In order to do that, I repeat, don't do it alone. Learn from others and control your ego. Or it's going to be a very painful session, but you will not be able to do it. Wish you well and see you next week. Thank you very much. Thank you again for joining us this week for Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. Please tune in again next Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy your weekend and a successful week.